Tonight I want to talk to you about um, spiritual intelligence, and I started this um, message uh, a while back. How many of you were here the night that I shared on uh, spiritual intelligence? How many of you were not here? It's a very, it wasn't very intelligent for you guys to miss that <laughs> message. Um, I, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I just want to start from a little different place tonight, and <clears throat> Danny's gone, so I decided to use PowerPoint so you wouldn't miss him intensely. And he, he shot a moose. So, yeah, that's kind of... I, I don't kill things. Bill says I let other people do my killing for me. Because I eat meat. How many of you don't eat meat? I'm really sorry for that. So, um, did I tell you First Corinthians chapter 2? Um, and we'll just start from verse 1, and I want to talk to you a little bit about um, about the mind of God. Verse 1, When I came to you, brethren, I didn't come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, but I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We do not speak among you. I'm sorry. We do speak among you the wisdom. We do speak wisdom among you who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to his glory. I want to just read that that one line again. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Everybody say, in a mystery. How many of you understand that God's wisdom is in a mystery? We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age would have understood. For if they would have understood it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But just as, as, as it is written, things which the eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Everybody say, all things. Even the depths of God. Um, I want to stop just for a minute here. We've read this passage many times before, but um, I I really feel like the Lord wants to release um, a spiritual wisdom on the church that has never been seen before and um, 13 or 14 years ago I was laying on the floor in our little apartment when we first moved here and um, the Lord said this to me he said I'm about to I'm about to release the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that's been hidden from the eons of ages and it's been carried it's been held in the vaults of heaven even the angels themselves long to look in to the to the revelation of my glory that's been held for the eons of ages, and I'm about to release it on this generation. And in the, in the, Daniel said, in the last days, knowledge will increase, and I know that we have related that to the information age and to the computer and to the web and, and all of that sort of thing, and, and I think that that may be a manifestation. I often think that what's happening in the third heaven manifests in the visible kingdom. And so, but I wouldn't say that the fulfillment of Daniel's word, that the knowledge of the, I mean, that, the, that knowledge will increase, I wouldn't say that it's fulfilled 
in the information age as far as what we're seeing in the natural realm. Because I believe that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That means not just wide, but deep. In other words, the Lord wants to give us things that have never, ever been told to any generation any previous generation before. In fact, he said, even the angels long to look into things that I'm about to reveal to this generation. And so I believe that the Lord is opening up new dimensions to us, and that he's opening this door into, um, into a new way of thinking that includes this passage of wisdom. And um, I heard people quote things sometimes that I, I think maybe are a misunderstanding uh, of the scripture you know, when Paul said, um, I called, when, that Christ called not many wise, not many intelligent, and he goes through this, this list of people that he called, how many of you understand that he called the least of us, but we didn't stay the least of us? I mean, the goal was that God would, would find people who, when, when they start to move in wisdom and intelligence, in understanding and discernment and knowledge, people around them would go, that has to be God. I knew that person before they knew God, and that couldn't be God. I mean, that couldn't be them. In other words, we start with, God chooses the least of these, but he often exalts people who are humble, and when he does that, it astounds the world. And so I don't think that the place of God's choosing is the place that we remain the rest of our life. I think God wants us to go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Are you with me at all? And so I, I think that somehow we've taken the place that God's chosen us, it chose us, and we've made it the place that we're arrived to, and we've glorified being dumb. The world's picked up on it, and they play it, they play it over and over in movies. The dumb person, the religious person, is the dumb person in the movie, almost always along with the police, anybody who's in authority, those are the people who are played off as stupid, they don't understand, or they're dumb. And I believe that the Lord wants to create another renaissance, but a renaissance like people have never seen in all of history. And so my passion is for, uh, for the people of God to begin to enter into this other dimension, and I think for us to do that, we have to have faith that there is a new dimension, and that there is something more that God wants to give to us, both in in, in, in every dimension of life. Are you following me? And so as we enter into this, this passage right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you know, we often can stop at the, the first part of this where he says, um, for I determined to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And he begins to talk about, I didn't talk to you, I didn't come to you in, uh, in wisdom. I'm sorry, uh, which verse is that? I didn't come to you in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the spirit and power that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But he doesn't stop there with the wisdom of men. How many of you know that the Lord doesn't want you? He doesn't want your, your faith in God to be in the wisdom of men. He's not, he's not looking for a new philosophy. He's not looking for you to, he's not looking for you to embrace um, a new psychology. He, he's not, he, do you understand that, that the Spirit of God wants to transcend human reason? And so he goes on to say, listen, I didn't come to you speaking, um, I didn't come to you in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. But then he goes on to say, listen, we do speak a wisdom, but it's in a mystery, and it's a wisdom from the age to come. And then he begins to talk about these things in verse 9. He says, 
things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And you'll notice that in most of your Bibles, it should be italicized in every Bible because he's actually quoting an Old Testament passage. And he's saying, the Old, the Old Testament prophet said, things that eye can't see, ear hasn't heard, that hasn't entered our heart, those things God has prepared. Those things, you get the word things is the key word here. Those things God wants to give those who he loves or who love him. And then he goes on to say, okay, for verse 10, for to us God has revealed them. For, but, uh, for to us, God has revealed them through His Spirit, for the, for the Spirit searches all things. Everybody say things. Even the depths, everybody say depths of God. Even the depths of God. <laughs> for who among you knows the thoughts of a man except for the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except for the Spirit of God. So he says, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God, because the passage says, Things that eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't entered the heart of man, God wants to give to those who love him. And then he says, who knows the thoughts of a man except for the spirit of man that's in him? So who knows your thoughts? Nobody knows your thoughts except for you. And then he goes, who knows God's thoughts? The only, the only person who knows God's thoughts is the spirit, capital S, of God. And then he goes on to say this. Um, verse 12, for we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, uh, spirit who's from God, so that we may know, everybody say no, the things, say the things, freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught with human wisdom, but those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things, the things, everybody say things, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Verse 16, for who knows, and here you'll see it's italicized, for who knows the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. That is, that's an italicized verse because that part of the verse is an Old Testament is, is the Old Testament prophet saying, who knows the mind of God? Who thinks like God? Who understands God? And Paul finishes the statement by saying, we have the mind of Christ. So here's the point. In the Old Testament, they said, listen, we know God's going to give us things. We know he's going to give us things our eye hasn't seen, things our ear hasn't heard. He's going to give those things. And I ha they haven't even entered our heart. He's going to give us stuff we've never thought of. And Paul says, those things they didn't know anything about, we know those things. And the reason we do, the reason we do is because the Spirit of God knows those things. Just like the Spirit of, just, be, just like you understand, you know your spirit, your own spirit's thoughts, little s, because the human, you, you, that spirit lives inside of you. So who knows the thoughts of man except for the Spirit of man? That, you know your thoughts. And he's saying, the Spirit, capital S, knows the thoughts of God. And oh, by the way, you've received the Spirit that's God's. So the Spirit of God, who knows the thoughts of God, lives inside of you. And therefore, the Old Testament prophet says, who knows how God thinks? And Paul says, we do. Because we have the mind of Christ. And listen, the mind of Christ is, is you understand that he, the pretext is that we have a wisdom. We don't have the wisdom of men, but we have the wisdom that's from another age that's hidden in a mystery. 
<laughs> it's a whole other level of wisdom that, that humans, he says, listen, if, if humans would have had the wisdom of God, they would have not have crucified the Christ. <laughs> I love what Graham Cook said. He said, if the devil was intelligent, he would have killed everybody who was going to kill Jesus. If he would have understood what the cross meant, he would have killed everybody who was going to kill Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Right? Death couldn't keep him. Hell couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. I imagine he was like, when, when Jesus gets into Hades and says, I'll take the keys, he's like, Oh, crap. I bet he used another word than that. <laughs> the point is, is that the mystery, the wisdom from the, from the, the wisdom from another age is available to you because the Spirit of God lives in you and therefore you have the mind of Christ. In other words, you think like God. I wonder what God's thinking. I don't know. Have one. What is he thinking? Am I saying all your thoughts are God's? Of course I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have access to all the thoughts of God. You have access to all the thoughts of God. How could I? Because the spirit of God that knows the thoughts of God lives inside of you. And you, all you need to do is build a bridge of communication between you and him. It's actually all about... It's actually all about relationship. So turn to, um, let's see, let me see. I'm going to skip ahead just a second. We may not even do PowerPoint. Sorry, Danny. Turn to Daniel chapter 1. I just want to show you something. That I think is interesting. We read this verse um, when I started, when I shared um, the other day. We'll start from verse 11, and we're going to skip around a little bit. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over him, over Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I know that's not the names there, please test your servants for ten days and give us some vegetables to eat. There you go. All the vegetarians in the room just got validated. And water to drink. And let our appearance be observed in the presence of in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating. See, they were fatter. I want to stop there for a minute because I think there's some wisdom. All you people trying to lose weight. That's not royal. You want to come to the, pre- the king's presence? You need to fatten up. There's scripture for it right here. <sighs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. At the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better because they were fatter. Oh, man, we just need to stop right here. This is some wisdom just being released to me as I just... Those of you at home, if I were you, I'd be eating while I listened to this, just to obey the word of the Lord. 
They were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their, their choice food and wine that they were drinking, and he kept giving them vegetables. Man, that's just too bad. Verse 17. But as for the four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. And Daniel even understood all kinds of dreams and visions. Um, this, just one word. I, the word knowledge there is really interesting because it comes from the, it, it's the word, um, I'm sorry, it's M-A-D-D-A, however you pronounce that in Hebrew, um, which means a knowledge or thought, but it's translated um, bedchamber one time and knowledge five times. And I'm like, that is really weird that it's, that it's translated bedchamber one time in the Old Testament. And so um, I, I look and it says the root word is the word yada, and then I began to realize the word Y-A-D-A is the word when, it, when Adam, it said, when Adam in, verse, in chapter 4 of, of Genesis, it said Adam had relations, some of, your, uh, some of your translations say, and knew Eve, and she gave birth to Cain and later Abel. New or relations. That word is, um, that word is Y-A-D-A. Adam had relations with Eve and she gave birth to Cain and later to Abel. And, and what's the point? The point is this, that says that Daniel had knowledge and the word knowledge there comes from the word yada. In other words, his information came, his, his knowledge actually came out of an intimate relationship with God. He actually gained information by, by, by being intimate with God, by having yada, if you will, intercourse. I don't, of course, mean that word sexually, but he had intercourse with God, and out of the intercourse came the knowledge that, that actually astonished the king. And it fits with, first, uh, with, with um, John 15, where Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves. I no longer call you a slave because the, because the slave does not know what his master is doing. I no longer call you slave, a slave because the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends for all things. Everybody say all things. All things I've heard from the father I've made known to you. Did you, did you, did you see that the way, like, revelation is actually the child is the offspring of relationship. Do you get it? I no longer call you a slave. Why, why don't I call you a slave? Because slaves don't know anything. The highest level of maturity in slavery is obedience. It means I do what I'm told. I don't, I, I, well, let me finish explaining before you come to a conclusion. Being led by the Spirit is not the highest level of life. You never leave that part of life. By the way, Jesus said, if you do what I command you, you're my friend. How many of you understand that friendship begins with slavery? When I received Jesus Christ, I went from a slave to sin to a slave to righteousness. Do you understand that I began as a slave? And in some ways, I have to remember, I always have to remember that my good friend is also God. That relationship can't get messed up. Like, I, I, never, I never have permission to not do what I'm told. Because I got here, if you, if you keep my commandments, then you can be my friend. 
I, I never can get to a place where I'm a friend with God and I don't have to do what he, what I, what he tells me to do. No, that's, that's weird. And that tension, that, that, our relationship needs to be held in tension. Like my son, Jason, is one of, is one of my very closest friends. He's my son. I'm also, so he's my, he's my son and he's my closest friend. There's something about our relationship that will always still be father-son. There's something strange, and I, I'm not saying be submissive or, you know, he's, he is an adult, so it, maybe this doesn't exactly work. But there is, uh, Paul said it this way, he said, he said, appeal to older men as fathers. I speak to fathers differently than I speak to brothers. I speak to disciples differently than I speak to peers. Are you following me? You don't like that, huh? It, it happens to be true. We call it DTR, define the relationship. Our relationship with God is interesting because it's supposed to be progressively growing. And so we begin with, as slaves. Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves. And he's talking to his disciples. So how many of you understand at one point he called them slaves? The point is, hey, guys, do what I tell you to do. Okay, just do what I tell you to do. This is your job. I give you commands. Remember, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Those aren't suggestions. Here's my commands. How many of you understand that when the Lord speaks to you and tells you to do something, it's not a suggestion. As long as you consider the things that the Lord tells you to do, as long as you consider the scripture a suggestion, you'll remain a slave. This principle isn't going to get you a friendship. A relationship is going to get you friendship. And so if you don't listen to God, he isn't going to listen to you. If you, in fact, John 15 is where he says, you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. What's the, what's the precursor? If my, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. What word is he talking about? He's talking about the word that prunes you. He said, you're already clean by the word I spoke to you. He's talking about the ability to be pruned by the word. If you allow God's word to prune you, discipline you, teach you, mold you, correct you, direct you, in other words, God's saying, if you listen to me, then, once you listen to me, and I realize that you can keep my commandments, you do what I tell you to do without question, then I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why once you do it because I'm God. Are you following me? But the goal is that we would move from not out of, that we would move from just being led by the Spirit, just, boy, that sounds demeaning. That's why I'm searching for words. That we would move with being led by the Spirit and also take on the mind of Christ and we would do things not just because we're told, but because we have a passion for them. And we begin to think like God. And so before God ever tells us to do something, before God has to say, take out the garbage, we've already taken out the garbage because we know the heart of God, we know what pleases God, and we're not just doing what we're told, we're transcending what we're told. We're doing more than we're told because we know His mind and we know His heart. And so I move out of slavery, and now I move into friendship, which means I know his heart. Bill was preaching on some of that this morning. Now I know his heart. Now I'm able to do things for him he's never asked for. 
And I become like David, who wants to build a tabernacle for him, who wants, wants the presence of God. And, you know, it's not something, you know, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he said, this, this was not in God's, this was in, this is in my father David's heart. God did not tell my father to do this. God didn't tell David, build me a temple. In fact, when, when Solomon, when David has the idea, God goes, I don't live in temples. I, what am I going to do with a temple? I don't live in, in a brick and mortar. David's like, I have a heart to build you one. God's like, okay, well, you, you, your son can do it. Your son can build me a house I never asked for. I don't know if I'm, I'm really making much sense, but I, I'm, I'm simply trying to say that there is another level of relationship with God that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into that will open up new dimensions to us and it's not and and wisdom and understanding and mysteries God wants to reveal to us he wants to release knowledge and intelligence and discernment he wants to give us a spiritual IQ he wants to uh, SQ he wants to give us what we have an IQ and EQ and I'll talk about that in a minute he wants to give us SQ he wants to give us spiritual intelligence and and we move into spiritual intelligence through relationship as we grow in God, this word knowledge, yada, intercourse with God, Daniel got smart by an intimate relationship with God. And the fruit of his intimate relationship with God is that he knew things that astounded people. It wasn't that I'm not against going to university and getting a degree. That's all awesome. I wouldn't want to go to the doctor who said, hey, I listened to your message and um, you know, the Lord told me to open up this office and you, know, you, you have a tumor right here. I want to operate on you. I'm like, did you go to school? Did you get a degree? Oh, no, the Lord gave me a download on anatomy. And I just, I would be nervous. I'm not opposed to education. <laughs> Some, sometimes I, I think that the way that I say things or we say things, people are like, you guys are opposed to to um you guys are opposed to uh, higher learning. You're opposed to universities. You're opposed to higher education. Like, no, I'm not opposed to it at all. I, I just don't want it to take the place or be mistaken for the wisdom from another age. There's a wisdom of another age that the Lord wants to release on us. And how many of you understand that our planet's in trouble? Our planet's in trouble. And God knows the answers to the problems that we're having. Economic problems, Joseph figured those out. Financial problems, problems, political problems, relational problems. Do you understand? You can't, you don't have a problem that God didn't already have an answer for. How many of you understand that Jesus was crucified, Revelation 13, from the foundation of the world? Before you ever had a problem, he already created the answer. And so, hey, hey, my passion is that we would move into this friendship with God and that, and out of that friendship with God, would come wisdom, intelligence, understanding, and the revealing of mysteries, which often come through dreams and visions. It's interesting that when Paul talked about the wisdom of God, he said the wisdom of God that's hidden in mystery. Proverbs says that one of the reasons for the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, one of the reasons for Proverbs is to understand riddles. Isn't it interesting that Solomon opens the book of Proverbs and he says, here's the five reasons that I wrote the Proverbs. And one of the reasons 
for the Proverbs was that you would understand riddles. And then there doesn't seem to be a single riddle in any of the Proverbs. Or is there? Because riddles are a way of hiding truth. So that only the humble and hungry can find it. It's possible that wisdom went right past you and you never saw it because it's actually hidden in a mystery. (laughs) Just a thought. Let me give you a little riddle. You want to hear a riddle? Albert Einstein said this. This isn't the riddle part. Albert Einstein said, everyone's a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Albert Einstein said that. Here's a riddle. What's strange is when a fish doesn't feel like a fish, so it decides to, it's a tree frog, because it feels like a tree frog, so it starts behaving like a tree frog. Of course, it doesn't think it can swim, so it doesn't fit in with the fish anymore, and it can't climb a tree, so it doesn't fit in with tree frogs. So the only camaraderie it has is with other fish that think they are tree frogs. What's that mean? Ask God, you'll know. That's a riddle. It's truth hidden in something that has dimensions to it. I put it on my Facebook and I got 157 responses. People said, well, I think he's saying, I don't know what I was saying. I just wrote the riddle. What did you mean when you wrote it? I did it. Didn't mean anything. <laughs> Just think through that. Anyway, um, Hebrews chapter 6, turn there for just a second. Verse 1, I think I know why the writer of Hebrews didn't sign the book. Verse 1, leaving, now therefore, therefore leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity. Therefore leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, Let's press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of instructions about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this, and this we will do if God permits. <clears throat> How many um, understand that the writer of Hebrews is not talking about leaving the, those six elementary principles of Christ in the sense of he's not saying don't believe those anymore. He's not saying, listen, repentance towards God, old truth, old manna, worm-eaten, I wouldn't believe that anymore. He's not saying that. He's not saying, he's not saying resurrection from the dead. You know, that used to be important, but it's not anymore. I'd leave that. He's not talking, he's not talking to a person, he's not talking to us personally. He's talking to us corporately. And he's saying, listen, once you have these foundations in your life, once you have, once you have once you've laid a foundation of repentance from dead works in your life, you've repented from dead works. Are you following me? You, you, have, you have faith towards God. 
You, you understand instructions about washing. He's talking about baptism. You understand baptism. You've been baptized and you understand the, the ramifications of baptism. You've had hands laid on you, which is actually about inheritance. And that's another teaching for another time. You, you, you've embraced the resurrection from the dead and you know that there's, inter- there's eternal judgment. You understand there's a judgment day in which God will judge everybody for, for their, their deeds. You understand that. Once you've, once you've embraced those things and you say, yes, yes, I believe in the resurrection from the dead. Yes, I've been baptized. Yes, I understand about the crucifixion. I understand about judgment day. I understand about baptism. I understand I've received an inheritance. And, and in other words, once I've, once I've taken those elementary teachings and I've embraced them and I've put them in the foundation of the way I think, the way I do life in the kingdom, the way I do life with other people, are you, are you following me? Then I'm instructed to leave them, not in the sense that they're no longer important, but in the sense that I build on them. That they become the foundation and they become also the ancient boundaries, if you will. In other words, I never transcend them. I never like, I never leave them in a sense like, that's a foundation, I leave that and I go build something else. No, no. I, that's a foundation that I build everything else on. I'm building up. I'm not building away from. Are you following me? So, it feels weird. When some of what I hear being taught, um, and, you know, I, you know, I want to be careful. I don't want to dishonor anybody, but some of what I've been, what I'm hearing being taught is that people are leaving these things as if they're, they're something that are no longer important or that we should no longer embrace them and they're building something else over here. And that's called preaching a different gospel. <laughs> these things right here, these are the foundation these elementary teachings, the other word for elementary is foundational teachings. This is the foundation for everything we believe. Once we receive that foundation, the exhortation from the Hebrew writer is that we should build something on it and not just keep repeating the same thing. Like there's more in the kingdom than these six principles. Listen, I understand the tension is, is that some people are leaving these principles and they're embracing things instead of these. That's not what the Hebrew writer is saying. If you read the whole book, he's talking about embracing these as the foundation, but building something on top of what our forefathers have left for us. Are you, are you, get, are you getting this? <laughs> I was watching a thing. Does anyone ever watch TED? This, that thing called TED? I, I just, Kathy put the, she, it's, it was a woman's fault. It turns out to be the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I will take it off my iPhone because this phone is based on I am that I am. And I wouldn't have the tree of knowledge on my phone. That was a joke. <laughs> you guys are still deep tonight. Sorry. Anyway, I was, I was listening to a short teaching by the scientist who was talking about communication. And he was saying that one of the main reasons he was talking about the difference between man and chimpanzees and and apes and that sort of thing. And obviously his perspective, I I doubt he was a believer, but his perspective was quite different. But it was interesting what he said. He said, if 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 um, chimpanzees and apes and animals had actually had intelligence, he talked about how. Chimpanzees, this particular type of chimpanzee has for years, for hundreds of years, dug um, beetles out of the earth with a stick. And they all dig beetles out of the earth with a stick. And he said, isn't it interesting that they didn't 
after a, after a hundred years that someone one of them didn't think about making a shovel. And then pretty soon, you know, how about a tractor? He said, and part of the, he said, the, this is his take. I don't know if this is true, but this is really interesting. He, he said, the reason why animals do not, um, they're, that, they're, the inform, that they're, they don't grow in information, they don't grow in knowledge, one of the reasons is they can't communicate. And, he, and I was watching it while I was doing this, and I'm like, wait a second, we're gaining information because we're in relationship with God. We communicate with God, and God gives us new ideas. We are, when we are going from glory to glory and from faith to faith because we have communication with the guy who made everything. And I'm like, the guy's right. And he said this, and he said, he, he quoted the, the Bible, and he said, he said, the Bible says, and he called it a fable. He said, there's a fable called the Babel, uh, Tower of Babel, where everybody's language was the same, and God came down and said, if I let these guys communicate with one another, nothing will be impossible to them. So he confused their language, and when they couldn't speak to one another, they no longer could build something that would go to heaven. And then he talked about how communication was the key to all intelligence. And I'm like, that's exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says that if I have yada with God, which means an interpersonal, see the word yada, it's used for relationship. I just told you with Adam and Eve, but it's not the word sexual intercourse. It's interesting. There's another Hebrew word for the word sexual intercourse. And the, and when Moses writes Genesis 4, he chooses to use a different word. He's saying Adam had, um, relations with Eve. He didn't use, he chose not to use the word sexual relationships because he knows that you would understand that the child was not born Cain was not born out of, you know, immaculate conception. You would understand that they had intercourse in the physical sense, but he's saying, listen, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that Cain wasn't just born out of intercourse. He was born out of yada. He was the fruit of, of knowing intimately, Eve, Adam knowing Eve intimately, and out of that came a child. And it's such, it's so amazing that out of Intimate relationships with God, out of the bedchamber, out of the intimate relationship with God, knowledge is supposed to be born. As we communicate with God, that's how we transcend. How many understand that when we communicate with one another, and this was his point on Ted, is that as we communicate with one another, you know, uh, knowledge is building and we're, we're building on the foundation. We're, we're going from, you know, he was talking about the information age and how how each generation is building on, on the last person's breakthrough. And he said, when you speak words, he says, you're actually, what you're doing is you're, you're intellectually stealing people's ideas. That words utter ideas, and ideas are intellectual property, and that intellectual property is being stolen every time you learn something from somebody. <laughs> And I'm listening to that while I'm preparing these. I'm like, dude, this is exactly what God says. If you'll have Yada with me, you can steal all the information I have. You can steal it. You can have it. Just come and be my friend in all things I've heard from the Father. I'll make known to you. 
come into another dimension. Listen, we can learn from one another, and that's progressive. It, it really is progressive. Like, you have, you have the ability to learn progressively, to go from, from, um, from knowledge to knowledge, if you will. I, I'm intentionally not using faith to faith. I'm trying to dis- make a distinction. We can go from knowledge to knowledge. We can actually learn from one another because we're made in the image of God. Even without God's interaction in our life, we can actually learn. It's part of the way God created us. But when we, when we interact with the Creator who lives outside of time, how many of you understand that you can have the wisdom from another age? That all of these, like, you're going from, you know, let's say, I don't know, example, you're going from, you know, what we learned in 1900 to what we learned in 1910, 1920, 1930, 1940, 1950, and we're building this progressive revelation, and I'm talking about in the natural, and so, you know, now we have computers, and we have, you know, iPhones, iPads, we have all this stuff, and all of us are, you know, who grew up with black and white television, and we watch how quickly information is growing now, right? It's now, it's, it, there's, there's a quantum kind of leap, and, and what we, with the, with the way to share information, with the internet, the internet has increased our ability to communicate, which anytime you increase your ability to communicate, you increase your ability to learn quicker. Are you following me? But what happens, okay, so you go, you know, what we learned in 1910 to 1920 to 1930 to 1940, do you understand that, the, that each one is a quantum leap? So what we learned from 1910 to 1920, as an example, let's say on a scale of 1 to 100, you know, let's say that's 10. And what we learned from 1920 to 1930, that would be like a 30%. It's, there's an increase. And, it, and it's, now, we're, now we're learning so quickly that it's off the chart. I'm talking about in the natural. And God says, you think that's awesome? Come up here. Come up here. Revelation 4. John, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after these things. How many understand that your heavenly seat gives you eternal perspectives? And you can actually have the wisdom that's from another age. You're not talking about like 1910, 19, you know, knowing from, knowing in 1910 or 1911 what they're going to know in 1913. You're talking about knowing in 1911 what they're going to, what they won't know till the year 3000. Like God says, come up here, I'll show you all things. I can give you information that they won't discover that they will discover by building knowledge upon knowledge, don't matter how much they communicate. And you can have it because you're seated in heavenly places. And I'm telling you, if you'll come up here, I'll show you what must take place after these things. I'll give you information. I'll give you spiritual intelligence that it will blow the mind of those who only have human dimensions. So you have human wisdom because you're human. But God says, listen, I don't want to come to you Paul says, I didn't come to you with human wisdom, but I have access to the wisdom from another age. But it's in a mystery. It's in a mystery. Why is it, why is it in a mystery? Have you ever wondered why you have a dream? How many of you, you have dreams? How many of you have, you think you're having a God dream at times? Not every dream, but yeah, like you're like Pharaoh. At times you have a dream and you're like, I have no idea what that meant. Fat calves, skinny calves. But that was a God thing. Or how about Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. It's so intense. He goes, listen, if you don't tell me what my dream is, and you don't tell me the interpretation, I'm going to kill you all. All y'all. All y'all. I'm going to kill all, the, all my counselors. I'm going to kill everybody. 
Over a dream. Listen, over a dream that he doesn't know what it means. <laughs> this is pretty intense. The guy is going to kill everyone who gives him counsel because he's had a dream. And the dream is a weird dream. He has his dream of the statue. Remember the statue? This is the first dream he has. A dream of a statue and it was, you know, it was a gold head and all the way down to clay feet. He has this dream. I mean, how many dreams does Nebuchadnezzar have? We don't know. He's had at least two in, in the book of Daniel. But he has this dream. He doesn't know God. But he knows this dream is so significant that if he doesn't find out what this dream means, it's going to change his life. And so he brings in all his wise men. And he goes, if you don't tell me this dream, I'm going to kill all of you. And I don't, I don't want you to fake it. So you have to tell me the dream first. Then you have to tell me what it means. And they go, hey, tell us what it means. And then we'll tell you, I mean, tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. And he goes, oh, no, you could fake that. I want you to tell me my dream. Then I'll know that you, if you have a word of knowledge, I'll know you have a word of wisdom. But if you don't have the word of knowledge, you're not talking to me. You're all dead. And Daniel goes to the commander and says, hey, can you buy us some time? Can you get us some time? Buy us, can you buy us a couple days? I, I, I know the God who understands mysteries. If you can get me a couple days, I believe I can get us the answer. And the commander kind of stalls the king, says, hey, Daniel, this guy, Daniel, he thinks he's going to have the answer. He needs a little time. He kind of hangs out with God, a little yada going on. Don't know how the guy gets information, but he, he thinks he can do this. And he has a conversation with God. Daniel has a conversation with God. He doesn't read a dream book or, you know, he's not out like what symbol means what. And he doesn't even know what the symbols are. And God goes, hey, here's the dream. And this is what it means. I'm the one who gave it to him. But here's the important thing. Two important things to me is, first of all, the king knows that he has information that is hidden in a mystery. My question is, why doesn't God just say, Hey, um, there's going to be uh, ten kingdoms here, and it's going to start out with you. You're the head, gold, you know, you get it, represents something really pure and powerful. That's, that's your kingdom, and it's going, to, it's going to progressively get worse here. Why doesn't he just tell him that? Why does God speak to us in parables and riddles and mysteries? And how many of you know that most of the time when God speaks to you, it's not any clearer than that? So my question again, how many of you had a dream that you absolutely know is from God? You have no idea what it means. Would you raise your hand? But you know that you know that you know that you would kill the wise men. No, you wouldn't kill the wise men, but you would severely punish them if you were the king to get this information. Because you know that underneath that dream is something that's going to change your life. You know it's going to change your life. Pharaoh knows. Pharaoh has a dream of fat calves and skinny calves. And he is so bothered, it says that his sleep fled away from him. He stayed up all night and he said, this dream means something. I know that this dream will change my life, but I have no idea what it means. And he doesn't know God. Why does God speak to us in mysteries? Because he wants communication to bring us in to Yada. If God tells us plainly, we don't need a relationship with him. But if God tells us in a mystery, then I have to have Yada to get the information. And God doesn't really care if you're smart. He just cares that you have a relationship with him. So God speaks in a way that, that, that invites us into relationship. God speaks to the world in a way that invites them into a relationship. God's goal is not to make you smart. God's goal is to make you his son. 
He wants a relationship. The whole reason he gives you any information is because he wants a relationship with you. Are you following me? It's like, as soon as you leave that, as soon as you're like, oh, I found a way to get this information. I'm going to look up. I remember. How am I doing? Oh, I should be done in a few minutes. So sorry. You know, when you're preaching, it it's never feels long. It only does when you're listening. That's the truth. For me. I can spiritualize it, but it's, I just like to hear myself talk. I just figured that out. I hope that's not true. Um, I forgot what I was talking about now. Dreams, visions. Oh, I, I'll finish with this um, thought. When we, um, in Weaverville, we started meeting with a group of about 30 or 40 people our most prophetic people, we gathered them together. Actually got the idea from another person in Morningstar, Steve, Steve um, Thompson. And he, you know, we went to a Morningstar conference and they talked about the way they're gathering their prophetic people and how they're growing the prophetic. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. Let's do that. So we got home and we started gathering our prophetic people and we didn't know what to do. Just kind of hung out and we finally we said, well, okay, we we prophesied over people in chairs, and we did you know did some stuff together, and and finally um, I said, well, let's do this. Let's get a book, and we'll all read the same book, and then we'll take it chapter by chapter, and every week we'll talk about the chapter and what we learned from it, and then we'll try to practice whatever we learned in that chapter, which went really awesome. And we read Larry Randolph was the very first book we actually read, uh, User Friendly Prophecy. By the way, I recommend it. It's a really great book. It's really simple. Um, I stole most of my ideas in the prophetic from Larry. I borrowed uh, intellectual property, whatever you call it, Holy Spirit ownership. Um, but anyway, um, the next book we read was called Hippo in the Garden. Anybody heard of that book? And it was all about dreams and visions. And man, when we, started, when we read that book, our people started having dreams and visions like you wouldn't believe. We put a notebook by our bed. This is before the days of, there was recorders, but it wasn't that simple. And so we all had notebooks and we were, we were taking notes. And so, and then we did that for about three months. It was really cool. And we would, someone would have a dream like that we, they thought was from God and they would bring it to the group and we'd pray over it and we, we would, you know, just try to discern what that dream meant. It was really powerful. It was really cool. And then somebody brought a symbol and dream, a dream book that was, uh, a whole book on symbols, um, for dreams and visions. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So it told like what the color green meant, what what the number one, the two, three, four, five meant, what a bear meant, what different symbols meant. And so we took that book and we're like, oh, this is really awesome. And we used that book to interpret our dreams. So we're like, oh, number five, that's the number of grace and snake. That's bad. Oh, grace is overcoming the snake. And we had all these really cool stuff. The only thing we didn't realize was that we didn't need a relationship with God anymore to interpret the dreams. And here's what happened. This is real. It took us about three months to figure it out. God changed the meaning of every symbol. So suddenly, a snake was something you put on a stick. The snake that was in the garden turned into a salvation stick. Black turned into God was hidden in mysteries. And white became an angel of light. And I, and I mean, you should see the screwed up revelation we had when we used the symbol book. And for the first month or so, it was fine. But what happened was, is that 
Slowly but surely, the symbol book took the place of Yada. And God goes, I'll get you back. I'll change the language. And you won't know it until none of your dreams come true. And so we, we went for about six months, man, and we didn't get anything right. I mean, we were really like accurate stuff was happening. Someone would have a dream before the dream book. Somebody would have a dream and, and the Lord would, we would just pray together and the Lord would just give us this download. This is what it meant. And literally, you know how when you learn something, God just like, he's like, you're in kindergarten. God just makes sure it happens. It was like that, man. We were just having testimony every week. It was like, remember they had that dream and it was about so-and-so and, and we had this thing that's happening and, and that exact thing happened. Man, it was like three weeks later that exact thing happened. It was like, oh, so cool. Write that down. Dream came true. Awesome. We got it right. And then, and then we went for like six months. We didn't get one right. Not one. And I mean, we're talking about we're doing this every week. And one day, I mean, I'm, I'm just totally ignorant. I have no idea why. You know, I'm, we're just learning. And the, and the Lord said, um, you've come to the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You figured out a way to get information without having to have a relationship with me. I'm not in that at all. And he took me to where Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, and God is the one who interprets dreams. And the Lord said, I allowed you to use the symbol book so that you would understand how I speak. But you used it to determine what I'm saying. And you took away the need for relationship. And therefore, I've moved you back into slavery because you've moved out of relationship. So now you'll just do what I tell you. Wait, will sorry work right here? Will sorry work here? If I don't blame it on the woman, we can like reconnect. Anyway, that was page two of my notes, 11 pages. God wants to take us into a deeper relationship. Let me, let me say it differently than that. God wants to take us into a different relationship that's deeper. He doesn't want us to lose the first part of the relationship when he takes us into the next level of relationship. It needs to stay in our foundation. And I'm telling you, a bunch of the teaching that we're hearing that's leaving a foundation, it's going to end up out of relationship. I'm saying a bunch of the people that are famous because they got yada with God and they got revelation are starting to teach the tree stuff. It's reasoning. It's really good reasoning, by the way. Like, it's really good reasoning. It's just not God reasoning. There is a difference between good and God. The bad stuff you get right away. You're like, oh, that's bad. That's evil. It's the good stuff that will deceive you. So we're hearing a bunch of this stuff. And I'm telling you, the people who are sharing this stuff, many of them started with Yada. Like we did in our little prayer group. I mean, we started because we love God. And we wanted more of God. And we never, we didn't mean to leave that when we got the symbol book. We weren't like, well, we don't need God anymore. It wasn't like a conscious, like, let's just leave God and... We'll just use a symbol book. It wasn't that. It's just a lot easier to use the symbol book than it is to do yada. <laughs> to be honest, it's a lot. It's a lot harder at times when you need an answer. And I'm just speaking from, you know, just trying to be honest. It's a lot easier for me just to go to a friend and go, "What do you think I should do?" Than it is to wait on God. 
I'm not saying we should do that. We shouldn't go to a friend. You know, so this is all t- truth held attention. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. That's one side. But when I my friends replace God, pretty soon I don't get good counsel from my friends anymore. Not because they're not smart, but because God is. And pretty soon I'm teaching stuff. Pretty soon I'm teaching really good stuff that doesn't lead to the kingdom. And I don't even know it. And there I am with my dream book. And God's all, you know what? You, this is, this started out, this started out really good. And you have a really good heart. But you know what? You've left the foundation. You need, you, listen, Hebrews, you need to reverse Hebrews back masking. You need to run this back and get back to your foundation because you left your foundation somewhere. You've left the cross. You've left, you've left repentance. You've left eternal judgment. You've left those things. And somehow you started building something else, not on this, away from this. And when you build away from this, you build outside of relationship with me. And I fear that we have exchanged the wisdom of God for the wisdom of men. It's wisdom. Here's the problem. It's wisdom. It's just the wrong wisdom. It's coming from the wrong kingdom. And it's not evil. It's good, but it's not God. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not talking about them. I'm not afraid of, I'm not, I, I'm not, you, you may think, well, he's talking about so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm talking about me. I, I'm not, con- I mean, I'm concerned about them. I'm more concerned about me. It is much easier to get stuff from philosophy than it is from God. Because when God gives me information, it's all, you know, some kind of mystery. Then I got to try to figure out how to talk to him long enough to figure out what it means. And he's going to withhold the information as long as he needs to until he gets you out of with me. It might be instantly, or I might not find the answer to that question, to that dream, to that vision, to that riddle for months. And God's all you want the information? Come sit on my lap. Because all I want is, all I want is relationship. You want information? I want relationship. Come here. I love you too much to give you the give you the information prematurely. And so, but all about to say this, God's inviting us into a deeper place. The world's got problems. God's got the answers. And I'm going to tell you something. We don't have them yet. I'm not saying we don't have any of them. The major answers. I hear Christians standing up, sharing, well, here's the answer to our economic problems. I'm like, dude, you know, you got that out of the book. I read that book. Dude, we tried that. It hasn't worked. God's got the answer. And he'll release it when he gets yada. And he'll release it in a way that invites the whole world. It invites Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh. Come on in here and see how good I am. I never, ever intended to hurt you. My all goal is to have yada with you so we can have children together. We can bear fruit together. So would you stand, please? You like that PowerPoint? You know that Moses had the first PowerPoint? To think through that. PowerPoint, he pointed the see. Oh, geez, Lord Jesus, help these people. I was in a riddle. It was in a riddle. It was in a riddle.
bedchamber, bridal chamber, bridal chamber. For you, here's the promise. You can ask whatever you wish. Think about what life would be like that. Think what life would be like if you could ask whatever you wish and it would be done for you. But here's the pretext. If you abide in me. Like, I know you're safe if you're totally having intercourse with me, I know you're safe and you can ask whatever you wish because you'll know my heart. So, Lord, I just, I pray right now for each of us that we would, um, that we would find that place, that, that, that intimate place with you where we become friends. And friendship has its privileges. We wouldn't just go after the privileges, but we would go after the intimate relationship that breeds those privileges. So that those privileges that we have will not harm us, but will actually build the kingdom in us and around us. Hmm. Just put your hands out right now. Holy Spirit, just come right now, right now, right here. Make this place a bridal chamber. Make this place an intimate place. Jesus talked about somebody who moved in the gifts. He said, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do miracles? And he said, I never knew you. It's, a, it's, a, it's Greek. It's the Greek word. The yada is the Hebrew word, but knew you there is the same. It's the same concept. I never yadded with you. I never, I never had inter, I never had an intercourse with you. I didn't know you intimate, intimately. And Lord, we just, we pray right now that we would move as a movement, as a body, as a global body that we would begin to move into friendship with you and that this would be a Song of Solomon season. And that out of that Song of Solomon season would come all kinds of revelation and spiritual intelligence would grow in a quantum leap and that, that the world's problems, like in the days of Joseph and the days of Daniel, would be solved by people that are hanging out in the bridal chamber, having intimacy with you, And the fruit of that is that they know all things. Lord, I just bless what you're doing in this family. I bless what you're doing in my own life, in the life of the leaders of this family, the the leaders of this movement that are not a part of Bethel. This all around the world, you're moving powerfully in leaders, and you're calling us to intimacy, and you're calling us to wisdom, you're calling us to intelligence, you're calling us to knowledge. But, Lord, help us to build on the foundation that's laid before us and not build some other one, some crazy stuff that it's the Tower of Babel all over again. We can get to heaven by ourselves, 
but who wants to be in a heaven that God is in. Lord, I just release your grace right now for this people, for the people watching by iBethel TV, that they'd have the same experience in, the, in their room that we're having here. You would just move powerfully over this people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No, I feel like there's several of you that have this intense. Um, well, I saw it in a picture, so I'll explain to you in the picture and tell you what I think it means. I saw you in a fog. Like, have you ever, ever drove in fog before? Living in Weirville many times. You can't see two feet in front of you. You're just creeping along. I feel like there's several of you in this room, and I bet you many watching by iBethel TV, you feel like you're, you're, you're in a fog. You're thinking is unclear. It's been that way for some of you for months. You feel like you're in this deep fog and it's you're like you wonder like what's wrong? You're like something must be wrong. I'm in this fog. Who is that in this room? I bet there's several. Yeah, there's probably two hundred people with their hand up. And I tell you, the Lord wants to lift the fog right now. He wants to lift the fog. But I want to tell you why the fog is is there in some of your lives and this wouldn't be in everyone's life. So Please, anything I say, you need to process with the Holy Spirit because 200 people raise their hands, and this isn't going to be the answer for 200 people. You got that? Did you understand that? So you're going to need to ask the Holy Spirit. But for some of you, you're, 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 you're like we were in that, in that prophetic group, and the Lord says, okay, I'm going to withhold information from you, and, you're, and I'm going to invite you. I'm going to put you in this fog, and I'm going to invite you into the sunlight. And tonight the Lord's inviting you into the sunlight. I don't mean you're, you're not saved. I don't mean you're doing something evil. I'm, I mean, what we did was completely out of ignorance. We all love God in that group. We weren't trying to do anything evil or wrong. We just ended up slowly but surely in the fog. We ended up in the fog. And I just... I want, I want to just pray for you right now, so you don't have to lift your hand again. I don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but just, everybody just put your hand on your heart right now. And the Lord, uh, when the Lord gave me the vision, I saw, uh, this picture of fog, and I saw, um, and, and I remembered what it was like sometimes to drive in really intense fog, where you're just creeping along, still hoping you don't hit anything at four or five miles an hour. You can't see anything. And then I saw the Lord break through the fog, with the sunlight. And uh, you know Malachi 4, the sun of righteousness will rise upon you with healing in his wings. And I feel like the Lord wants to lift that fog right now. And what's going to happen is your thinking's going to clear up. And when your thinking clears up, remember that what he wants, he's inviting you into relationship. No, let me be more accurate. He's inviting you into an intimate relationship. You already have a relationship. He's inviting you into an intimate relationship. Are you with me? So the fog's going to lift right now. When I pray for you, the fog's going to lift right now. But remember why the fog was there. It was there to help you and hurt you. Okay, so when the Lord lifts the fog, he's inviting you into sonship. He's inviting you into a deeper relationship. You remember that? Okay, if the fog comes back in a week, remember, 
just need to stop and reconnect. However you connect, you know. I don't want to put a formula on it. Read your Bible, you know, lay on the floor for three hours. I, I, not, just however you connect, just do the deed you did at first. Just reconnect, however that is. Maybe different for you than it is for me or Bill or Paul. Just however you connect with God, you reconnect and you'll watch the fog lift. Holy Spirit, right now you told me that the fog would lift when I prayed as a sign that this is you and that you're inviting us into a deeper, intimate relationship with you. And so right now, by the authority that you've given me through this vision, I command the fog to lift and to leave in Jesus' name and stay gone for intimacy. For people who are watching by iBethel TV, that the fog would lift and it would leave and you would see the sun that you would think clearly, that you would be enlightened. The word enlightenment is actually the word photosynthesis. It means to build with light. So the Lord wants to enlighten you. He wants to clear the fog, and he wants to, his son of righteousness, he wants to rise upon you and enlighten you. And Lord, I pray right now that you would enlighten these people, that you would enlighten me, that you would enlighten all the people who raised their hand, that we, be, we begin to think from sonship. We'd be enlightened. In, our, in, the very, in the very core of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much, Paul, for coming.